Welcome in. It is week 18 of the NFL. This is RJ Bell's dream preview. This is the Fezzik Focus Pod. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the only two-time Super Contest champion, Steve Fezzik. Steve, how you doing, man? I am excellent. You know what? That last week, I think, has caught up to a lot of us. We're um, we're running on vapor, though, with this football. Yeah, I'll be like... This week, specifically, last week there was a little bit of it, like really trying to handicap motivation. This week, there's a lot of handicapping motivation and wondering which te- like which teams that are good are going to be motivated, which teams that are bad are going to be motivated. I feel like handicapping this week has to be about an inch deep because there's just too many questions. Well, that's interesting. I, I don't when you say an inch deep, so not not doing a deep dive exactly because. Is Green Bay going to play their starters? Right. Or are they going to play gonna, for a half? Or? Is Tampa going to play their starters? Exactly. Everything else is completely insignificant. It's almost like playing the game of hearts, the card game. Mm-hmm. Having the queen of spades is a lot more significant than who has, you know, the uh, the king of spades. So. Yeah, certainly. Or king, I should say king of diamonds. King, king of, of spades it, is pretty important also. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I love hearts. That's a fun game for me. I'm a, I'm a fan. Hearts and spades. I've uh, I played a lot of those both when I was in the army. That's those are my two games of choice. The, I prefer hearts. Would you know why? Why why do I like hearts better than spades? Because you get to screw someone over in hearts. <laughs> that, there's that. Okay. Um, <laughs> hearts is, hearts is more of a. The cards don't matter. If you're really good and your opponent's not so good, you'll win at hearts every time. In spades, if you get really good cards. Or bad cards, that's going to determine who wins. Well, and if you play spades with, like, particularly if you play spades with the same partner all the time, the, even if you're not trying to cheat, it's, you're almost cheating because you you talk without words. Yeah. So the way you lay down a certain card lets wink, people know. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. I'm out of clubs. Yes. Yep. So, all right, let's get into it. Let's start with a Fez tale like we normally do, Fez. All right, let's go to the old Aladdin in Las Vegas. Now it has been replaced by Planet Hollywood, so I think I'm safe now. (laughs) So in the early 2000s, I'm running around, I'm playing parlay cards. The Aladdin has an independent sports book. Don't take very big bets. Not really looking to gamble with the patrons. What's this? Check out their ties win parlay card. Payouts are fine. The the A-teamer paid 160 for one. And as it turns out, if on a ties win, a 160 for one on an eight teamer is much better than an 80 for one on a seven teamer. Much, much better than a 40 for one. It kind of makes sense um, for, for, for a six teamer that if they just keep doubling the payouts for each uh, game that you're playing, you're going to win that game way more than 50% of the time playing on a ties win card. So I'm locking up all the good numbers. I'm taking plus 10 on games lined at eight in college football, laying 21 on a game at 23, etc. Mixing and matching as I do, randomizing. So it's kind of late at night. I don't even see a manager around, but um, if you play more than $50, it flags for approval. No problem. So I, I play picked, a bunch of $45 cards. <laughs> exactly. I'll pay in 160 to one, which is nice because it pays the payouts under 10,000. I don't mind having a CTR telling, um, having to give out my ID and everything else, but I'd much rather avoid ever giving a casino my ID if I don't have to. Sure. So I'm not, I'm not avoiding any government reporting. I'm just trying to avoid detection, if you will, by the casino. So I play, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe 1,800 worth of cards. So as it turns out, 
the cart winds up, if you will, that all the games that the Aladdin put um, a number that was too high or too low, they all won, like the six best numbers on the card won. So long story short, I wind up with like five, $9,000 and $8,000 winning cards. Oof. I guess it was 8000 all right? All right, so there's a rule, a little-known rule on the back of every parlay card that says maximum aggregate payout. And it, what it says, it limits the liability of the casino. And it says that the maximum that the casino will pay is usually $50,000 plus two times the amount wagered on the card. So I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. If I'm winning, you know, 45000 <laughs> and anyone else with the brain was doing what I was doing, that's going to be a lot more than 50000 I better go in and cash my tickets before someone realizes what's going on. Further, there is another rule in the Nevada gaming, um, I don't know, if statutes, I don't know what, what to refer to, that once a casino pays more than 10% of the maximum aggregate out, they no longer are allowed to invoke the maximum aggregate rule. Now, the reason that that rule is in play, I call that an appendix rule, is it wouldn't be fair if AJ gets first to the window first and they pay you 100 cents on the dollar, they pay McKenzie 100 cents on the dollar, then I come in a week later, nope, nope, now you get limited. That, that's not fair to the patrons. They're being treated differently. Sure. So the way they handle it is that as long as you haven't paid out very much already, then you have to limit everyone across the board. But the problem with this rule is that once you pay out, if your maximum aggregate's really low, like 50000 you don't know you're going to get blown up. It's Saturday. People are cashing some cards, cashing some three-teams. Sure. Once you paid out $5,000, you are screwed. You can no longer apply that rule. Now, almost no – I would say at least half the sports books are unaware that this rule that's supposed to protect them does not indeed protect them in most cases. But just to be safe, as soon as I blow up a casino <laughs> I'm all, or, or the possibility is there, I'm always looking to cash – to get uh, make sure the cash out is over the maximum aggregate so they can't invoke it, all right? Right. So um, so I go over there. Um, in this case, I think it's like Sunday. The memory's fuzzy because I'm getting old and it's like been 17 years. So I go ahead and cash. I've got five winners. I cash the first of my five winners. And the ticket's locked up. That's never a good sign, all right? What does that mean, it's locked up? That like... means it, it shows that I'm owed $9,000 or whatever. I guess in this case it was 8000 It shows that I'm owed that, but it can't be paid out until the manager approves it, okay? okay. Which is not unusual for a higher-paying ticket that, that requires sure. manager approval. Just for the reasons we discussed, like this, where, wait, <laughs> there, might, there might be something nefarious or, you know, bad going on, and let's just make sure everything's on the up and up, but there's not the normal... 30-second pause where the manager types in his, his initials. There's no one around. Now, to be fair, you're not doing anything nefarious here. It would depend who you're asking. If you're asking anyone who's gambling, I agree. If you're asking the casino on that day, the Aladdin would disagree with now, you. Now, did the casino put these parlay cards out, or yes. did someone bring them in and, like, you know, sneak um, them in? Like, let me use the word nefarious. I, I, I think that maybe that's – I shouldn't use that word because I'm really not certain th th about the meaning. But basically – the casino would say that I'm angle shooting. Okay. I would say, no, you're angle shooting. You're paying out 160 for one on something that has 208 combinations. So a, a random person throwing darts, if he bets 208 parlay cards, will win one. 
and he'll get paid 160. He'll get short a little more than that because ties win, but he'll get short paid. You know, he'll get paid a lot less sure. than a dollar on a dollar. So, and I always use this example, and I know a lot of advantage players have a very um, they view the casino as the enemy, which is yeah. not necessarily good. All right, but but the, the reason being is they're like, well, these guys have no problem basically dealing games um, like Kino, like um, side bets on the craps table and, and other games that, that take 15% house edges. I've mm-hmm. seen parlay cards, NASCAR parlay cards, where you had to pick like one of four drivers to win in each bucket. You know, it's not even one. It's not even like, um, you know, one guy against another. It's like one guy against three others and you and, and, and you pick a winner. I mean, there's there's things that the house edge is obscene on a lot of things that the casino does. So wait a minute. That's their job to get the odds right. That's, not, that's sure. not my job. It's not my job for them to figure out when the game starts. If a game starts and they let me bet on the game, I'm going to bet on the game. That's not my job to determine <laughs> when the game starts. That's your job. Yeah. All right. Call that an angle shoot. I don't care. You you're know, that's, paid. You're, that's what you're paid for. That's though. the yeah. That's the cost of doing business. If you ask me. Okay. And and we're going to talk about a college football game, LSU, okay. um, Kansas State, that will apply to the cost of yeah. doing business. But the, the the bottom line is they're very upset. There's a long pause. I asked the girl behind nice gal, the ticket writer. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I don't know. This has never happened before, which makes me happy because now I'm like, okay, this maximum aggregate probably isn't going to apply because nobody plays it. Nobody Aladdin. beat you here. It's hard to get into the Aladdin. It's right. a pain in the butt. So finally, manager comes over and says, how many of these you got? And I've done this before. I know the right answer. I have one. <laughs> don't need to talk because I don't have to talk about the other ones in my wallet or back at home. Right. Right now I'm cashing one. All right. He looks at me. He's kind of disgusted. There's another long pause. And they, ultimately, they wind up paying me. And then right after they pay me, I'm walking out. Uh-oh. Here comes security. Sir! Sir! And I, I again, I'm, I've been to, like, the blackjack ball. I placed third in that contest with some of the greatest blackjack players in the world. And they have always advised you never run from security. Um, but you don't need to. Uh, it's the United States of America. If someone's talking to you, you don't need to talk to them. You just can walk out. Don't run. Walk at walking. a very brisk pace. Very yeah. brisk. And that's I mean, what I do. They're not cops. Nope. Nope. I've done and I've done nothing wrong. I've done nothing illegal. And I can just pretend I don't even hear them. So I'm walking very fast towards the exit. All right. I go to the nearest exit. I make it. I'm a good 10 yards in front of any security person. All right. Boom. All right. I'm um I've, it's almost like the great escape. I'm in Switzerland now. Everything's fine. <laughs> Except I'm not in Switzerland. I'm like um, Steve McQueen on his motorcycle, and I'm over one of the barbed wire fences, but I'm facing another one. Oh, no. I'm on a walkway. And the walkway goes to the left and right with that all borders the Aladdin. Okay, now I'm on a public space, so I'm probably safe, but I want to get the hell out of there. But there's, like, vegetation. There's, like, an eight-foot drop down to the Las Vegas Boulevard, you know, with all kinds of um, plants and, and shrubs and cactus in my way. I don't care. So I make my way through the cacti. Oh, okay. I, I, I get thought, down to the curb. I thought you jumped. So I was a little jumping going on. <laughs> so I got like little cactus shrubs on me. And now the, the, the traffic's zipping past me. And I hear, sir! <laughs> and I'm like, ah. I, you know, it wasn't as busy back then as it is now. So I, na- I navigate to the mar- to the median of the Las Vegas Boulevard. Now I figure I'm pretty safe. So that was me running from the Aladdin. So I come back um, like three days later, got my friend um, um, David, um, uh, you know, with me. David Matthews, uh, by the way, former blackjack world champion. Okay. And he just for to observe, just in case 
you know, I just watched Casino the week before. I didn't want my hand to get pounded. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, so, um, and actually the, the sports book manager um, deferred to the, kid, the the head of casino operations who met with me, and he was the nicest guy in the world, and, and he's, I think they kind of, I think they knew who I, I was by then. And they said, all right, he says, it's not my decision. We're going to pay you, and you're um, you're not allowed to come back into the, the Aladdin, and they Read me the trespass act. Oh, there you go. That happens. There you go. But now, um, Planet Hollywood. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, they're not keeping I, you out of there. I'm, I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching the shows. Going to the Miracle Mile. Like, like we're all friends. It's nothing has ever happened. It's ah, under Harris ownership. Yes. Beautiful. All right, let's get into some of what's going on. And I saw on Twitter you've got some. Uh, you have some problems with Indianapolis hosting the national championship game. I do. I actually don't have that much problems with them. When they're hosting a Final Four, because it's kind of like Indiana's a hotbed of basketball, sure. and Indianapolis is fine at in the, at the end of March. But this is a guy in a dude in Atlanta, a media guy, tweeted, I guess, that this is horrible. Why do why why is this game being held in the middle of winter in Indianapolis? And I agree with him. I I think it's spot on. It's, it's stupid. It's like having a Super Bowl in Detroit or Minnesota. It's, I'll use the word stupid. It's like, well, let's just flip the finger to the fans. They don't matter. It's all political. we got to give equal parts of the country equal representation and all that stuff. Never mind that we don't hold a U.S. Open in, um, in Alaska, you know, in, 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 in Fairbanks in, in March you know, because it makes no sense. Right. It's like the, the whole fan experience should be a positive one. I looked at myself. I've been to three bowl games. Only three. I apologize for that. Um, I went to the Rose Bowl. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. That is an awesome place. I, I went to several Rose Bowls, and I've, I've been to the Rose Bowl three times. Every time was just amazing. And the weather is almost always perfect. And then and even the time of day, it starts during yep. the day. The sun drops you know, drops below the ocean. The San Gabriel Mountains, I guess, are, are, are lightened you know, right at halftime. And then and then the, by the fourth quarter, usually, it's nighttime. It's beautiful. Yep. Right? I went to, I believe, the Citrus Bowl in Tampa. All right? I had a really good time. The weather was great. The stadium not quite as nice as the Rose Bowl. It doesn't matter. It was a great experience. And I went to the Alamo Bowl, <laughs> and it was cold in Texas, and it wasn't much. It wasn't much fun. It really, it was, it was okay. It's not a great venue. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't feel <laughs> it doesn't it does you're you're indoors instead of outdoors, which is always a negative. What what game were you watching? I was watching Northwestern get the annihilated by Nebraska okay. by 150 points. So I was a little biased. Northwest. Oh, this was when Nebraska was in the Big 12. Yeah. Okay. And I and I got to watch Peyton Manning, you know, beat up on Northwestern by 20, and I got to watch um, a USC team, you know, uh, with their great wide receiver. Is beat, that all you've gone to see? Is like if you, like you only go to bowl games when Northwestern's in the bowl game? That's it. Gotcha. Because okay. my buddy's like from Northwestern, so it's kind of a good excuse to uh, yeah, get yeah, yeah. with my best friend. So um, and notice Northwestern lost all the games, but. <laughs> but, but but the bottom line is, I just think back to like that was such a, a almost a magical, great time in Southern California to be getting together, and Florida was really you know nice, and I, I, I and 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 I'm like the whole concept like I think Northwestern was in a bowl game in Detroit, and I was like you got to be kidding me, I'm not going to Detroit, I'm not going to Indianapolis, not in the middle of January. Even Brian Bosworth once said. Brian, the great Brian Bosworth, said, we're going to the Orange Bowl. No more freezing effing Dallas for me. That's fair. <laughs> I, I'll say this about Indianapolis. And I have uh, – I went to – I covered a Super Bowl there. I've covered a Final Four there. Um, and it was cold during the Super Bowl. And I, I'll admit I did complain a bit about the cold, like the idea that we were – like that the Super Bowl was going to be in Indianapolis – 
but once I was there and you realize the benefits of being in a place like Indianapolis, which I think the biggest benefits are, A, they're experienced in running these big events. Mm-hmm. A lot of cities aren't. You know, A lot of cities think, oh, well, we'll just have a Super Bowl and it'll be no big deal. And then it's a big deal because you're not used to it. Last year, the Super Bowl in Miami, apparently a lot of people had trouble with the transportation to and from the state. Which is odd because Miami is tip, Miami's an event city. They yes. should be used to it. Yes. But when when it happens in a place like Detroit or something like that, that it's a one-off thing, it's not always the best. But Indianapolis, is they're used to running these big events. The area around the stadium is built for these events. There's big gathering sites. There's restaurants, there's hotels. Everything you need to do in Indianapolis is within walking distance. So let me ask you this. When you say everything you need to do, in many ways, is this not kind of like a media person's perspective that this is really efficient, like when you're working? It's a really good place to work. If you, Given you're working, you don't have to drive a lot. You can walk to everything. That, that's what I'm hearing from you. That is, that's the case. But I would also venture that if you're a fan – and you're going to the game, you want to be in the in the thick of things, right? Like so there's if there's eight, ten hotels within walking distance of the venue, ideally you've got yourself a room at one of those hotels. It's a it's a you know, it you can go walk to all the restaurants, you can do everything, gather with all the other fans right there. Interesting. So so if your primary and only focus is basketball, to watch basketball, to talk basketball and interact with fans, I can buy that. And I guess what maybe I'm just not that much of a fan that, you know, I, I look back and, you know, my primary focus is to take the ferry over to Balboa Island down in Newport Beach when I go to the Rose Bowl and like all the things that I can or go to Catalina Island or, um, you know, hang out on the beach at Tampa. How many days before the bowl game did you show up? Um, Typically the night before? Or th- yeah, yes, but I would or I would but I would always stay a couple extra days. Yeah, yes. and that that's fair. But most people will show up the night before the game. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go to the game, and if it's a good venue, they'll stay extra days. That's the thing. If sure. it's a good venue, they'll stay a couple extra days. If not, there's no reason to be stuck in Indiana in the wintertime. And and I just think that— But think about this. Mm-hmm. The championship game's on a Monday. That's a good point. How many people are going to take Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off, well, they even w- if they were in California I think or they, Miami? Yeah, but they would go in—they'd fly in on Thursday night if it was in California, but then and now who, they're going to fly in on Sunday night. But who does that hurt? It only hurts Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I i don't know. I, I can see both sides of it, but I will say, having done a couple of events in Indy, it's a it's a— I mean, I don't think any, you know, Indianapolis is some sort of special place, and the stadium's just, it's a stadium. Largest city in the world without a navigable waterway, per Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, really? Yes. Boom. Who's from there? Well, there you go. Boom. Mackenzie's like, oh, upgrade, upgrade Fezzik's pathetic literary power rating. <laughs> but it, it is a, uh, but it's, it's a good place for, for these big events. And I think that there are, there are places that are built for it and places that are not. I'll tell you this: We did. There was a when they did the Super Bowl in New York. Mm-hmm. I, big I, mistake, in my opinion. I, a big mistake. I enjoyed it uh, because it's it's fun to go. Like I, I don't. I think it was my third time being to the city, and it was like there's always something to do. Mm-hmm. Like there's all there's you could I could have been to New York City a hundred times, and there's still stuff I I haven't done there. So maybe a mistake, not a big mistake, because there are things to do. But they probably weren't equipped to handle it with the other traffic. Yes, and now I'll tell you this: 
all the media stuff was in Manhattan. The game was in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So then you get into travel, things like that. It's a giant pain in the ass. And if you go, like, if you went to the Super Bowl in New York, if you're spending the money on Super Bowl tickets, you don't want to go stay in a hotel in New Jersey. No. Like, so it's not a a venue that's built. Another example that we did, another Super Bowl I went to was in Dallas when the uh, Packers played the Steelers in Dallas or in Arlington Mm -hmm. at at, uh, the Cowboys Stadium. All of the the uh, Super Day, Super Bowl stuff, like the Radio Row, all that stuff was in Dallas proper, which is about a 45-minute drive from Arlington. That also happened to be the week that Dallas had the coldest weather it's ever had, the biggest winter storm in its history. So it was just – it was a, a nightmare. These cities where everything is piled on top, New Orleans to me is the best city to host mm. a major event. Don't even have to rent a car, right? Just no. Go and New, New Orleans there. is – it's not the cleanest city. Right. It's not the, uh, it, it, you know, it's not the nicest. You're not going to have, but it's got, it's got personality and everything is, is right there. You're going to be able to get around. You're going to, you, you can get to good restaurants. You can get mm-hmm. to, to, to nice hotels and it's all right there. Entertainment, whatever you need. It's a lot different when you go to these cities like Dallas or New York, where we're going to give you the Super Bowl because you built this new stadium and then it's just it's not built for those events. Yeah, and and I can tell you as far as the two Super Bowls, I haven't been to a Super Bowl, but I was at the Super Bowl week in Atlanta and Miami, mm-hmm. and it was night and day for me. That Atlanta was just I, I I hate to use the term, but like people are like, well, you get to you know meet with all these NFL players, and this is really cool. Not cool at all. Didn't like it at all. Cold cold that week. Atlanta was cold. Atlanta was cold. Not nothing. Um, no outdoor. I, I'm an outdoor person. I want to be able to, and, and then contrast that. I'm in I'm in Miami Beach, and yeah. and I'm on the boardwalk. I now, mean, come on. I mean, I'm happy in Miami, and I'm unhappy in Atlanta. I will say, and I miss the days when San Diego was a great a, venue. San Diego was a great Super Bowl venue, and now they don't have a stadium there that warrants having a game. But that's the that's like the place, the ideal place to have the Super Bowl. Oh, it's America's ideal city. But. Yes. I, the good I parents th- take their kids on vacation, by the way, to San Diego. The bad parents take them to Vegas. <laughs> parents out there, don't take your kids to don't Vegas. Don't take your kids to Vegas. Go to San Diego and, see, and feed the giraffes. Thank you. I do think that that Vegas is going to become one of these destination event cities for football and and and, and Vegas, basketball. And Vegas actually makes a lot of sense. Vegas is the equipped hotels, for it. Yes. Equipped for it. Everything is close together. You don't need to rent a car. And it's an adult city, and this is an adult um type of event for the most part. And for the most part, like you're going to get cold weather. I mean, hell it's cold outside now, but it's not like, you know, a winter ice storm or anything like that. What's fascinating is what the extra, the extra week makes all the difference in Vegas actually, because I always play golf with two of my, my, my real good buddies after the Super Bowl. And that's hit hit or miss that week after the Super Bowl. And I, it sometimes it's nice. Sometimes it isn't, but uh, on February 8th, I'm talking about, Literally, I remember like February 15th, the leaves are all um, starting to grow out and the highs are back in the 60s. I'm like, God, if it was just one week later, it would be good. And now it is a week later. Now, Super, you know, Super Bowl is going to be on a Valentine's Day eventually with this yeah. extra week. That's going to be some that's going to create some conflict. Well, that's that's their problems. Fez. Uh, <laughs> all right. Moving on. I got a question via Twitter for you uh, from Carl, who says, could you please ask Fed next pod about maximizing EV on these sportsbook promos in new states for new players, specifically the $1,000 one risk free bet 
just a thought for for a topic. Okay, this is real important. This is probably the most valuable um, thing I'm going to say on this pod. So you, you, thank you for listening through my rant about having to go to freaking Indianapolis in January. <laughs> um, if you have a $1,000 free bet and you randomly bet something, you're only going to get money back if you win. So if you randomly bet something that's worth $500, okay? You don't want $500. You want more. So what you want to do is you want to find something, ideally, that is a pretty big money line. The ideal situation would be, let's say you can find a money line that's 3 to 1, okay? And that that team would win close to 25% of the time, maybe 23% of the time, all right? So, But let's say your team only wins 20% of the time. You're like, oh, Fez, that's a bad bet. You know, you're only winning 20% of the time. Um, why would you ever take that team plus 300? That's a horrible bet. Because have 600 to win. is more than 500. Because 600 is more than 500. So think about that. So if you have if you have five $1,000 free bets and you bet, let's make it 10 to make the math even easier. So if you have 10 $1,000 free bets, now you're going to make $5,000 off of that. But if you take those 10 bets and put those on three to one money lines, well, you're going to go two and eight. Sounds horrible. Well, you're going to wind up with 6,000 back. You're going to get 20% back even betting a sh- absolute piece of shit money line that has huge negative EV. You see where I'm going. Right. If you can find a three to one that's actually going to win 25% of the time, it's worth even more. So the way to maximize these values is to play uh, big plus money, money lines. Now, at some point when you're like, well, why don't you take a 20 to one, Fez? Because oftentimes a 20 to one money line has about a 1% chance of winning. It's so minimal. Um, If they let you a three-team parlay is excellent. If you can play a three-team parlay at six to one, that really maximizes. So think about it, if you have eight of these. If so, if we have eight thousand, we're gonna get back four thousand. If you, I'm sorry, if you have six, duh, yeah, eight, eight. I'm sorry. So if you play eight three-team parlays, you're gonna win one of them. If, if you're just even throwing darts, and now you're gonna go ahead and get back seventy-five cents on the dollar instead of fifty cents on the dollar. So always look to play big money lines. Some places let you, some places don't. Some places say no money line above two to one. So try to strive to play the best big money line you can. One thing you didn't want to play the money line on last night was LSU. Uh, you could have got a juicy number by the end of it. Could have got a real juicy number. And there were people I will say if and I had uh, minus three and a half on Kansas State. I didn't get in at the very beginning when it was, you know, LSU was uh, was favored. Right. So LSU opens three and a half, and I don't know. I, I assume it just slowly matriculates down, and by about New Year's Day, it was like minus three and a half. But yeah, once the once the announce like once Brian Kelly took the head coaching job and the announcement started to come in of people that were transferring and things like that, it had, it had gotten down to about three and a half, and the real worry was. LSU wouldn't have a quarterback. And they have this kid who they're trying to redshirt, and if they played him, they would have had to burn his red shirt, which I don't understand because if you're any good, your red shirt's not going to matter at, at that point anyway. You know, and, you would think the integrity of one game would be such that and, – and also they should be able to talk to the NCAA and say this is going to be a farce. How about we redshirt this kid, and you know what? If he plays that fifth year – He'll sit out three games, one time exception. And they tried. They tried that, and yeah. the NCAA denied it. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it, you could also just say, "Hey, he took a COVID year. Like he decided he, he was going to yeah. play more. He's going to get his COVID year because everybody's getting one now. You can get a COVID year if you want one." But either way, the big worry was that LSU would be without a quarterback, and that was the case last night. They were basically running the Wildcat, and it worked for. I, I say it worked. No, it was. <laughs> Their defense was able to keep the game close for about 
quarter, quarter and a half, and then things started to unravel, and it just got really ugly by the end. Although, if you had LSU team total under, that got burned at the very end as well. Uh, we'll talk about that because that, <laughs> that, I think that was the bad beat of the year. Uh, the big lesson from all this, so they have basically a Wildcat kid that played quarterback in high school, yeah. and they um, they actually had prop bets on the – I don't know if you saw these – on the LSU three wide receivers. They were all lined at 40, and uh, one of them didn't play. Two of them did. They both went under. One dude – and we'll get to that – Got 81 yards in reception yards. Um, on one play. On one play. <laughs> but the, um, the the point is is that normally when you have a huge line move, like in the NFL, if, I, if a line moves six points, you don't have to ask me. Who do you like, Fizz? On a non-COVID year, who do you like? Like, unless the quarterback's out. Right. I like the team that getting 10 that was laying three. Thank you very much. Always play back. When you get a huge middle like that, sure. always. I, I played Pittsburgh plus three and a half. All right? I played back some Cleveland when I hit plus three. Absolutely. You know, what do you do you have any idea? Uh, you know what? I'll save that until you finish this conversation. Yeah. So so but the normal rule of always play back doesn't apply in situations like LSU is not playing tonight. No, the, the spare the 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 the, the, the spare by you cats are playing the corpse of LSU is going to be on the e- field. E- exactly. Um, the the irony of it is that Kansas State did cover every number. They did cover the second half. Somehow they opened minus three second half, which was a really bad number. But you could make the case the very best bet you could make the entire year. You're not going to go the whole, whole year without finding a better. Well, I don't know about that. The Lakers under 50 season wins is probably a better bet. But the um, uh, one of the best bets was LSU. Team total under, well, it opened at 20 and a half, for, or it was there for a while, and then 20, and then closed 17 and a half, but even a post. At post, LSU under 17 and a half, given if they played that game 100 times, how often does LSU get to over a 17 and a half? One. <laughs> One, exactly right. LSU scores 13 points in the final three-ish minutes, including burning all their timeouts down 28 to get the ball back just so they can complete an 81-yard pass. Hinton, was the kid's name Hinton? Yeah. The same name, last name as the the substitute quarterback for in the NFL that played that game in the Denver game, right? Uh, what? Oh, yeah, I guess it was. Yep. Maybe they're related. Maybe so. <laughs> God, you'd think they'd just want to get off the field. Like, I, when I saw them calling timeouts, I was like, what are they what? doing? I just want to get out of here. I'm embarrassed right now. And it's not like scoring that touchdown made made the final any less embarrassing. So if you had team total under 19 and a half, by example, I'm sure somebody did as it, oh, yeah. as it was dropping. You know, never bet again. No, just keep, keep making good bets and you'll be fine. I'll be honest. I wish that, like, everybody was like, well, at least they had the balls to play. I don't know. If I, if I were, like, an LSU minus three and a half ticket holder, I'd say don't play this game. That's like me with the, with the Mississippi State, like, at least, but at least with LSU, you knew going into the game what the situation was. Like they didn't make any bones about it. They're like, we got thirty-five kids with scholarships playing tonight. It's going to be a rough one. This game was in Texas, was it? Yeah, it was, it was the Alamo Bowl. Oh, it was, <laughs> so no, it was the Texas Bowl. It was in Houston. It was so in the, Houston. Yeah, so that's why Tax you act Texas Bowl. That's yeah, why you put. Forget. That's why you put the freaking bowl game in Houston or in Pasadena. So when your team gets pounded and you walk out of the stadium, you don't have to like walk out in your winter coat and get like tormented by the um, the opponents that telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming. At least you get to like soak up some sunshine and go to the beach instead of just being miserable in Indianapolis. So you mentioned the Pittsburgh and Cleveland line, and we thought it was funny. We, uh, you know, obviously the line moved from three one way, three the other way. There was some three and a halfs out there. After we finished straight out of Vegas on Monday, 
And I, uh, my prop on straight out of Vegas was Baker Mayfield under passing yards, which ended up working out just fine. It was a low note. It was he's, 222 and a half. He's, and it, he's not good. He's dreadful. Although it looked like the Cleveland team didn't want you to no, win that. They're all bad. Did, like, they, did they hand the hop off to Chubb at all in the no, second half? And if you watch the Manning cast, the Manning cast is so great because Peyton Manning's like, you know, I'm not a head coach, but if I if Baker Mayfield was on my team, I'd want Nick Chubb standing next to him as often as I could. Yeah. And uh, then he's like, Not, oh, they're, they're br- Harris. Hey, Eli, they're the bringing on that. they're bringing on Austin Hooper. You think Austin Hooper is going to help him run the ball? I don't think so. <laughs> whenever, yeah, whenever I hear Austin Hooper, I always think about Jaws. I'm a like, Hooper. You got the <laughs> you got the ropes done. So, what I noticed was though, right after Straight Out of Vegas ended, and at that point it was Pittsburgh three. By kickoff, it was a pick'em. Yeah. Where did all the Cleveland money come from? What drove that last three points? Sure. Well, let's talk about where all the Pittsburgh money came from. So, Pittsburgh, well, the Pittsburgh money you assumed came from from Cleveland being eliminated. Cleveland's out of the playoffs. So, emotional oh, game for Pittsburgh. Exactly. How many points is that worth? So, Cleveland's playing everybody. They're playing to win. They're playing a division rival, and but but they're depressed because they're knocked out of the playoffs. I think that's worth something. I think it's worth the field goal. It's not, not worth, worth the six touchdown. points. Yeah. Yeah. So I think basically what happened this, and this is a good example. I see this all the time and basically it's, it's become an epidemic where you get a guy, especially who's hot on Twitter and he gives out picks or whatever. And he says, well, actually this would be me. I, I, I gave out Pittsburgh three and that, but I like when Pittsburgh plus three, I'm like, wow, that's a really good bet. It's a great narrative. Let's take Pittsburgh plus three. Yeah. But now it's two. It's not as good, but now, but oh, you know what? The whole world has just get, given out the narrative of Pittsburgh's the right side, and then the the uh, and then they got there, they won. But the people who are betting Pittsburgh then pick them at minus one, minus two, they're just following. They're like like we talk about the how the K State game was the exception to the rule when there's a big line move and K, and K State was still right. Mm-hmm. That's the exception. Like in the NFL, this was an example. The personnel was exactly the same. Just there's a, a motivation difference. By the time it got to three, that was asinine. Cleveland plus three was a great bet. Didn't get there. And Pittsburgh, after the fact, was the right side, I think. I think we can also agree Cleveland minus three at Pittsburgh, the fact that that was ever posted, even with motivation, is also asinine. I think after the fact, yes, with Pittsburgh, Big Ben's last. That you know, Cleveland minus three was never a good number. It, it was three and a half. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, well, that's pointless to get down on those crazy <laughs> bets um, and the like. But but I do. I, I I think Pittsburgh plus three and a half was a fantastic bet. I think Cleveland plus three was a good bet. And before the game started, after now after the fact, I'm like, I don't I don't really think Cleveland plus three was any good at all, given how bad Baker was, et cetera. But it was it it does you know these Cleveland games, the wild. Point spread swings. Think about the Raider game. You could have middled that way every which way to sure. Sunday. And and ultimately, the Raiders won by two. And there were times both teams were favored by four or more points right. in that game. You know, it's just like like if that's a game and, and you don't have any action on it, you did something wrong. You should have won on that game if you'd just been following all the lines. And sometimes, well, but also it, when the Raiders were favored, you didn't think Carson Wentz was going to no. play. So, and it's funny how sometimes you make those bets and you get lucky. Yes. I know last night I had a bet on Air Force plus 20 that against was a Colorado good bet. State. That was a good bet. You know when I felt like it wasn't a good bet? Five minutes before tip-off when Air Force announced that they had three starters out didn't get, with COVID. I, I didn't get that. You, you texted me that, though, right? I did not. T- I tweeted oh. it out. I tweeted it oh. out. So, But I like I did. I, 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 what am I going to do? I've already made my bet. I can tell you what you're going to do. You're going to text me to... Get get us some action on the other guys well, next time. But so the good thing is, do. I got lucky, and, and Air Force made it through somehow. It was 
but I, I certainly didn't feel good once the, once the tip was going off. I said, oh. What did it close and I, at? Uh, it, was... 20, it went from 20 to 21. Actually, it went from oh. – it, it had gotten down to 19. Because I saw the sharp money on the dog. And, and then it went, it went to 21. Yeah. And all I could do was go into our pregame software and say – because we're not allowed to, to buy back. We're not allowed to say, hey – I'm I'm taking the other side of this, and we're just going to lose our juice. You know what? We're not well, we're not allowed to do it, but I do it. I I know you do it. So you're a rule yeah, breaker. Dirtiest <laughs> player. <laughs> Tom, I, I Tom Tom are, are, he does a great job. Um, comes in and says, "Fez, you're not supposed to play." But but you do it often when it's back. like, I've got minus three one way. Now I'm plus three the other way. That's different. And, and I try I try not to do it unless it's absolutely extreme. It's different than a two point middle in a college basketball and it game. Me. Like I would have I would have given out Cleveland plus three against Pittsburgh, but I had given out Pittsburgh plus three and a half, and I just went in the right. But said I don't like Pittsburgh anymore. But I, I will say yes. So Tom, what this behind the scenes, Tom says, Fez, you shouldn't give out both sides of a game, and it makes right. sense. It makes sense. So in, in, in general, and then you know what I, say, I tell him. I say Essler does it. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> when I do it once a year, I just Essler does it. All I could do was go in and Rarely. say, "Hey, he this is on on my play. I edited. I say, hey, this is what's happened. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you've got a chance to buy out, I would maybe exactly. consider buying out. Exactly. It, this is not an ideal the, situation. And that's the beauty. Oftentimes, a pregame when we put up plays, we'll put up that play right away, and then we'll put up a write up, and then we can edit the write up as yeah. we go along. It's a moving story. Yes. All right. The college football title game is on the way. The NFL playoffs are about to begin. And pregame.com has you covered for all the big games. The handicappers over here at pregame are working hard, man. And right now you can save 20% on any site purchase. Simply use a coupon code TITLE20 for your 20% savings. Pregame.com has daily, weekly, monthly, seasonal pick packages. When you're making a purchase, enter that coupon code TITLE20 for your 20% savings. Don't miss out on the big games. Buy, win, and save at pregame.com. Once again, that coupon code TITLE20. Pregame.com, a great place for sports bettors. All right, Fez, let's talk about week 18. And there's some things to consider here, particularly the New England Patriots. Yeah, so the Patriots are laying six and a half against Miami. You know, this is a very interesting game because it's being priced like New England is ultra-motivated and Miami is not. Uh, because the look at line was New England minus two and a half. One, I'm not so sure New England's motivated because their key motivation is Buffalo has to lose and Buffalo's favored by a jillion in their game. Right. Second, New England's distracted. They're kind of going to be watching the Buffalo game. So there's certainly the case that they could see, oh, Buffalo's up 20. Forget this. Let's take it easy and, and rest some starters second half. Um, so I think if you are going to bet this game, I think it might be one you'd consider New England first half or New England not at all. And further, it's being priced like Miami doesn't care. Miami's 8-8. Eight and eight. Miami's got a yeah. motivated coach going against you know his former head coach, uh, Belichick, when he was assistant coach Flores. I think that Miami will be very motivated to finish the year with a, a winning year. Well, and I also think it's a it's – a, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Six and a half points starts to – feel like a lot when when you think about games played in the 30s, low Miami 40s. Can't, Miami, not a very good offense, and that defense is playing very well. Well, and both of these coaches have befuddled young quarterbacks mm-hmm. so far. So I, I, I think that there's there's really something to it. Miami's one of my one of my favorite plays. And then Tampa and Green Bay, we don't know what we're going to get from and, – and it could all just be coach speak that they're going to play him at all. We don't know. We don't know. Is uh, Rodgers going to play the game? Is he going to play the first half? Is he um, is he going to come to his coach and say, look, and I want another MVP because that, um, 
I'm Aaron Rodgers and I'm going to do what I want. Who knows? I will say this. If you are going to bet this game, I think Green Bay is fraught with danger the later the game goes. I could certainly see them not wanting to shut down Rodgers since they have a bye in the playoffs, back-to-back weeks, and him playing a half. I think if you bet it, you you want Green Bay first quarter or first half. And if you are looking towards Detroit, you should look towards second half. All right, let's get an update on the contests. Oh, this is fascinating. So there's two dudes. It's the Circa Millions is the one I've been following. And this Hannibal guy, Hannibal Baraka or Batista or whatever he goes by, I you know, kudos to him. He's just been tremendous. Is he still in first? He's in first place and he's in third place. Oh, he okay? dropped from first and second to first and third. He's first and third. And the guy in second and fourth, is, and, and uh, Durf, Durfi, Durf, Durfi, Durfi, is in second and fourth. And both these guys have two things in common. They are hitting like it's 75% of, or 73% of their plays, something like that, which is incredible. And they all play the same entry most weeks on both their entries, okay, that they, they have in contention. So they, they take their top five games, they submit them, and they both go four and one every week. So they've had the greatest week ever, all right? And by the way, I have dropped, I'm out of the money, so my, I'm basically in a situation, I'm like in 140th place where I've got to just play five absolute god-awful plays. Yeah. Take the five plays, go oppo what I think everyone else is going to play, and, and hope for a miracle. Okay. And that's what I'll do. Because I don't care about what my final record is, and I want to try to get in the money. Sure. If there's a chance, and there is a chance, if those five god-awful 45% plays all win, I will get into the money. Um, the I'm going to make a prediction here. These guys have steamed along. I talked about, like, the captain of the Titanic. They've steamed along doing what they do, playing the same five games on every entry. I will predict that they do... The same thing where they take the, their top five plays. Well, why wouldn't they? They hit 73% and put them on both entries going into the last week. Now, from an advantage gaming perspective, I can tell you that that is That a, doesn't make sense, it right? It makes no sense. And here's, here's why. Especially, you put your five best plays on your first place. Hannibal sure. should use his top five. Then the only discussion on his next now, – now, if there's a line move that moves eight points, you might want to use that game for his third-place one as well. If there's, if there's a situation like the Green Bay-Minnesota game, yeah. again, I'm fine with that. If he wants to put in Green Bay minus six and a half on that play, fine. But he should, on his other plays, either independently take his six through ten games and make those the plays, or there's even consideration to going opposite and playing the five oppo plays – to his his three and two. Now, why is that? Because if he makes the same five plays, he cannot win. The first prize is a million. All right. The second prize is only like three hundred thousand, and then two. He only has a half game lead. He's got a half game lead. So it's the the, the number. His number one pick is a slam dunk. Five best plays. But then the, the 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 second entry where he's in third place should look nothing at all like that first place one because that that maximizes his chance of winning. I think I would go the exact opposite of my it favorite. It is fine five. to go the exact I think opposite. I'd, I'd go... Think about what a nice hedge that is because the problem with the exact opposite is that like fifth or sixth place still pays, you know, maybe 100 maybe 150,000 and you're kind of donking off that prize money. Yeah. So because of that, it's kind of but the but the millions were so much more and think about it, if the really if the line moves lose, then you and a lot of his plays will be the line moves. Then, if you go one and four, if you go one and four, and you're leading, that sucks. But now the one, the third place is going to win for sure. 
You know, no yeah. one's going to beat that guy. Um, but I'm fine with him. But here's what he's going to do, because I've seen this a million times. He's going to play the top five on both of them again, because that's that's what he's done to get in first and third. And he's just going to try to finish first and second by playing his five best plays. And I'm going to predict the guy who's in second and fourth, who should use a similar strategy, is going to do the same thing as well. So, Well, the, the guy in fourth, certainly his – his fourth place card should look way different than his second place exactly. card. Exactly, but they won't. I, but I, I would try to figure out what the first place card is going to play and play the exact five opposite sides of that with yes. my fourth place card. Yeah, well, the problem is he's a game and a half out. The fourth place guy's a game and a half, so two and three versus three and two. You know, it's like he, he needs yeah. him to go four at one and four. So, but but I agree. He should, his fourth place, he should really be looking, if he can find a game he likes, that he thinks the his opponent will go the other way. And his opponent, by the way, is a chalk lover because it's been a chalk year, especially mm-hmm. late in the year. So the first place guy, all things being equal, has been playing more favorites than underdogs. I'm sure the other guy is aware of that. If you're the second place guy, do you do you put in your five best on that card, on your second place card? I've been in this exact situation. So what I do is I make sure I don't play the five most obvious plays. So like let's say there was five games that all move three points. I'm not playing all five of them okay. because I'm not going to be going in drawing dead where, hey, Fez, I saw you just played exactly what your opponent played. You lost. Yeah. The game said you, you can't ever be drawing dead in a contest. But you also, I mean, you want to play at least some of those. Yes, because you don't want, you're in second place. You don't want to blow $250,000 right. because you're just getting so cute, you know. So basically what you want to do is maybe you'd play three of them and you'd look and play, all right, these are the two I don't like in the line moves, and I'll play the games I like the best other than that. And it probably would be sufficient that um, you'll have a game that you're going to need to you know, to catch it. But that's what I did in, when I was in contention. I was a half game out going into the final week, and when, a year I won. I purposely said, you know, I got to make sure I'm, I'm drawing live. So I did. I played games a little bit, and ultimately that won me the contest that year. Um, I, I, I had another year where I had two entries. I had a first place, and I had an... I believe it, ninth place going into the final week. And I oppoed them. I, the ninth place one played the op- opposite side of all my plays. Now, what was curious about that year is I think I won that year, and I think I went like 3-1-1 one, and one in the, with the, um, the first place. All five of my games were losing at halftime. Oh, wow. And I actually mapped it out, and I said, you know what? If I go 0-5, I'm going to win anyways. Because the ninth place the other one would, would have gone 5-0. And, oh. and it was going to beat everybody because it was uh, completely opposite what everyone else is. And, and he would have flown past everybody, even though he was three games out. He wow. Would. So I, the, the, the opposite strategy would be a lot easier. If dude was in first place and he was like in sixth place, like two games out, then I say it's a slam dunk. You play the absolute, you play the five opposites. And if you get a, if, if you happen to roll a one and four, then here comes that four and one to save the day. Yes. Uh, let's take a look at the Westgate NFL season wins. What, what do you have here? So I'd forgotten. There was a, a season win contest, $200 entry fee. And literally I was in line with my friend, Bill, the crack man. And we're like, ah, oh, we should throw it. We should, $200, we should throw in there, some entries here. So I filled out three in front of crack man. I spent no more than five minutes no more than five minutes, like entering 32 teams, yeah. three entries, randomizing them. Okay. You're not playing exit because same thing we discussed. Can't have them be identical. Right. Um, and I put the Raiders under and my tiebreaker was raise, Raiders to win six games. So I lose the tiebreaker and I lose the Raiders. I'm like, oh, I'm dead in this contest. I remember doing that. So I'm going back. I'm like, what's this? I'm like, I'm, I graded. I'm like, last night, that's going to win. That's going to win. That looks like it's going to push. That's going to win. That's going to wait a minute. There's a lot of W's in here. Yeah. So 
basically, I think I'm projected to go like on my best entry, 23, nine and two. So I'm like, hmm, I don't know if that's going to be enough. 23, nine and two. There's 34. I'm sorry. Uh, the tide tripped me up. 21, nine and two. Okay. Okay. But it could be 20. It could be as good as 23, seven and two. It de- okay. It depends how it falls with the very last game. I actually, I need the Chargers to lose. I got the Chargers under nine and a half on my entry okay. as an example. So that's one. And you've already lost on the Raiders under, so it right, doesn't matter right, if right. they win. So, so that's one. I'll make a bold prediction. If the Chargers lose, I think I'm going to win. Wow. I think I'm going to beat like 23-7-2. and two. And you know what? It's going to be hard to beat 23-7 because I know there was a quarterly prize in the in one of these contests at the Westgate that somebody won the quarterly with 23-7. and seven. And there's a whole lot more entries in the Westgate than there is in just the season wins. So we'll see how it pans out, you know. But like a couple of the obvious, you know, steamers, like Washington was eight. So most people who played would have played the football team over eight wins, and that, that didn't no get luck. there. Broncos didn't get there. The Broncos were aligned at nine, actually. So the Broncos, um, they, they put their, the Westgate put their numbers up like in September on this. So they didn't put the numbers up what they were in August. They put them up like a week. So they put up the higher number. They put up the most recent number right before the season started. Gotcha. Because almost everybody who played Broncos, Broncos lost. over lost. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we're going to a lot of topics, but I, you know, I am discouraged by playing NFL season wins ahead of time. I've had tr- in, tremendous success doing this, beating the number, getting to it early. My God, you got smoked this year. If you were if if you were really good, you got slaughtered this year in season wins in the NBA. You cr- you're crushing NBA, but you're getting slaughtered in the NFL. Why? You got the Broncos over seven and a half dead. You got the Vikings over eight <laughs> and over eight and a half. It, those dead. are the two teams that I told McKenzie just the other day. I was like. Those were the teams that I hated that the steam was pushing them, and I wanted nothing to do with them. I didn't think they were good. I think, like, you're right. All the people who are good at this were wrong. Washington. And meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, baby. Washington <laughs> football team, eight, dead. Yep. Um, there was a couple others, too. That Chiefs the, over, dead. The, no, the Chiefs are going to land 12. Chiefs are the Chiefs are not dead, not dead because okay. Chiefs, because the Chiefs are are going to win twelve games, so the Chiefs are going to middle. So you okay, know, so you're going to push probably in the Indianapolis Colts under ten. Word comes out with the stupid broken foot by for all the oh, players. People were all over. Now maybe we're 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 we're, 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 we're we, we scratch and claw our way into a push only at ten. Bucks over is dead, isn't it? Bucks is landing on the number twelve. So the okay. Bucks oh they, yeah, assuming they win this uh, um, the um uh, New Orleans Saints under nine, you know, world's greatest bet. Probably a push. Coin flip now. Or, push, yeah. Oh, push. yeah, because they probably have, a yep. push. You know, so you you look at you look at like all these, like, where's the win? Where's the beef? I'm I mean, I'm 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 coming up with all right, you know, you got some pushes out of this. I'm one guy got the Vikings over eight. He might get a push. You know, it's just like like wow, I've never most of the time when on these moves, they're like four, one and one. Houston under four. Scraping and clawing just to get a point. Mm. I know you got four and a half, but like, like you know, they're cutting in line to play the under four. That's um, Jags under six and a half, though. We Jags still feel good about that's the one. That's that, <laughs> that one's going to be. That's, we're good on the yeah, Giants under we're six make, and a half. We're good with that. Are the Giants the worst team, or are the Jags still the worst? I mean, the Giants have they've made their case. I we did the uh, the Dream Pod last week, and my third pick was the Giants. I said, should the Bears be giving six points to anybody? I was wrong. Every quarter. The the Giants are a disaster. Jacksonville is the worst team. Okay. I mean, they they gave up a 50-burger to to New England. So Jacksonville's the worst. But you know what? You're right that um, it's it's close. 
It's it's not it's not very and I get you know a quarterback injury makes a big difference and Jacksonville went into the season thinking that this was their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville also lost their coach, which maybe is a positive. That's, that that thing. was supposed to be a positive. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're just not. You know, the happiest person about this Jacksonville late slide has got to be Urban Meyer. See. Wasn't, wasn't my fault. Wasn't yeah. my fault. You put me you, as, uh, was it Denzel Washington in flight? You know, don't talk to me about my blood alcohol level. You put me into a broken airplane and I brought and I, I, I mean, landed it. I landed it. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, college basketball. This, what you wrote down here pisses me off because I've having a rough college basketball season and a lot of it is. Uh, COVID, COVID is beating me pretty badly. Like I feel like eventually the it's going to swing where I get some COVID luck on my side, and maybe you know Air Force last night was the start of that. Like mm-hmm. bad COVID news, but I got lucky. This says one of the most profitable college basketball betters I know cannot name a player. Not a one. I'm not making that up either. Now Crackman always used to joke. I can't. Hey, I can't name. The, I can't name any of these football players, but he can name some of them. I am confident that this guy in particular, who will remain anonymous, um, cannot name one college. Can't name best. Drew Timmy? No. No. Gonzaga <sighs> forward. Yeah. Very, very confident young fella, Drew Timmy is. He is. He's, um, yeah, there might be a problem with him in the when he plays in the um, when he plays in the um, I know he's. I know he's good enough to play in the NBA, but I was. I was going to say when he's playing in in Italy. Oh, he'll eventually end up in Italy. He'll like <laughs> yeah. he'll get a chance in the NBA, but he's probably like he's he's like one of those guys. He's a great, great college basketball player. Maybe he player. and Morrison can be like in that in that like like that that big three league or whatever. Maybe so, <laughs> right? Um, but the but but no, but but I tell you what, he is is he is a this this guy in particular is a god when it comes to you know getting out, having different. It's not unusual. Every morning that he's just like, I'll use it the Kentucky LSU. I said, so how'd the Kentucky LSU game go? And know what he said? He said, disaster. I'm going, why a disaster? And he says, had LSU minus one and a half and Kentucky plus four and a half. He's like, that middle was a guaranteed, and he lost that middle. But wow. think about that. He's, he, he, he doesn't need to name a player. If he's, if he's able to get watch the markets, be alert enough, quick enough to steam moves and the like to grab a minus one and a half. And, and the beauty of that is, he says, I played LSU minus two. Then I played a whole bunch of Kentucky plus four and a half and plus four. And then I played LSU again minus two and minus one and a half. You know, just watching the markets as that game. That's it. If you miss that, you want, I talk about Plinko in terms of results against the spread, you know, being random, like the price is right, little metal ball that goes and lands in the prize. Yeah. Um, Kentucky led uh, LSU in the first half. Shot five for ten from three, and Kentucky one for eleven. So LSU made the threes, Kentucky didn't. Then Kentucky took command, and they had like a five, seven point lead midway through the second half. You probably followed all this, mm-hmm. and then LSU. I was on LSU minus one. LSU took over. Um, LSU hit started hitting threes again. LSU looked to be clearly the superior team, and LSU was pulling away up seven with one minute to play. So I stopped watching it. Then I turned it back on, and there were eighteen seconds left. LSU was up one, and Kentucky had the ball. At that point, your LSU minus one and a half is a coin flip, all right? Um, And the Kentucky plus four is probably a 95%. It could lose in overtime, so maybe it's an 88% bet. Somehow, Kentucky proceeds to turn the ball over twice and give up slam dunks, and it lands five. Yeah, last night... I had a, a kick in the balls last night. My best bet from our college basketball podcast. I've I've now uh, lost four straight best bets on the college basketball pod. That means you're one and four. 
Not not Owen for. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that that insight. But I had at Texas A&M minus six against Georgia. They were up 17 points in the second half. And by the end of it, they were down one and hit a buzzer beater mm. to win the game. And I was like, oh, I wish they would have lost. But I, I swept the rest of my card. But it doesn't matter because my best bet on the podcast mm. was a loser. So You know, there was a game, and I apologize for not having it. Some team was laying eight and a half, and they're up 24 with two minutes to play, and they only won by eight. And the oh. box score, it was like enough, some obscure game, and I'm sorry I don't have it. Towson Drexel maybe? I, I don't recall, but I remember the box score was like, you know, turnover, you know, traveling, three. Um, missed free throw. Dunk, oh. you know, missed free throw three. I mean, it was literally it it it, it could not happen in a zillion years, and that happened. Uh, last thing we'll wrap up on week eighteen, and knowing, the, having an idea of what every team is playing for, what the playoff scenarios are, is really important. Yeah. So going back in in terms of teaching a man how how to fall off the boat trying to fish, um, the I didn't say that right. However, it was close enough. To, yeah. Um, it, it really, like if you if you look at the scenario Pittsburgh Cleveland, just knowing and I, I I I missed this actually I didn't realize it until the game was ending. The whole idea was Cleveland needed Kansas City to beat Cincinnati. If that was the case, Cleveland had the path to winning the division. The second the Bengals game went final, and what was curious, it didn't slowly go final like the Bengals were going to win. It was plinkoing at the end of the game, and then the Bengals plink the the puck fell into Bengals. Yeah. And, and by the way, that was co- totally correct to go for it fourth and one from the one. It's not even close with 50 seconds left. Let me address that. So if I'm the Bengals and I got fourth and one on the one with 50 seconds left against the Chiefs, I'm almost indifferent taking a knee or kicking a field goal. Yeah, about the same. Would I rather stick Kansas City on the one with 50 seconds left tied? Or would I rather be three and kick off? You know, I think I'd rather be up three, but it's not like I'm. I'm pretty confident either way. I'm heading to overtime. <laughs> you know, it's, it doesn't have that feel if I'm up. Yeah. If I'm up three and I'm kicking off, I got to play somewhat prevent and not get beat deep, or I'm going to. And Kansas State's going to matriculate the ball down the field. All I was tie. thinking was, every play you run from the one yard line is a few seconds less the left that they're ticking off the clock. And then when the penalty happened, I was like. That's best case scenario. Oh, of, course, of course, the offsetting penalties because you just burned six seconds that aren't coming back. But the bottom line, when you go for it, the, the point is, well, sixty percent of the time I'm going to get the touchdown. Then I should win. And then if, um, in this case, if I get a penalty, I win. There's lots of scenarios where sure. I win. Um, you don't necessarily win because Kansas City could get a touchdown, I guess. But the the bottom line is it was it wasn't even close. If you did like a Monte Carlo simulation, yeah. it would like it would come back and say you'd have to be a complete and total imbecile to kick the field goal. But yet yeah, a lot of coaches would in that case. Um, but the point here, as far as you know, being aware of the situations, Cleveland gets eliminated. You have about you literally had you comfortably 30, 15, 20 minutes to grab Cleveland plus three and. The best evidence I can give of what a great bet that was is after Cleveland moves from plus three to pick them, what happens then? People keep betting Cleveland. Yeah. So, you know, it's like who's who is going to endorse a Cleveland minus uh, three bet right after they got eliminated from the playoffs? Nobody in the no. world. Yeah. All right. That'll do it for another episode of the Fezzik Focus Pod. Steve, appreciate it as always, man. You do a great job in here. Thanks, McKenzie. Thanks, Brad. And thanks to you guys for listening to it all year long. 
We will be back on this feed. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Golf has started back up. The newest golf pod is up. Uh, But there's plenty of content coming through on this feed. And the Dream Preview tonight uh, will be running that and and having that up for you guys tomorrow. So uh, appreciate all of you. And we will talk to you next week.